You are listening to the Worlding Podcast, where we explore the relationship of how we are both shaping and being shaped by our surroundings. The podcast traces interconnections by inviting each episode's guest to pass on the mic to someone who has influenced their world. And now, here's your host, dance artist Renee Schadler. Welcome to the Worlding Podcast, where today we complete our fourth string figure with my guest Tsuki, a dancer and choreographer originally from Australia and based in Berlin. She's working from a queer, feminine perspective, and today we will dive into her research around deconstructing conditioned ways of being and facilitating spaces of more than human exchange. Hi, Suki. Thanks so much for speaking with us. Hello. Good morning. Bon dia, which is good morning in Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because you're actually joining us from a hotel room in yes. Brazil. Thank you yes. so much for making the effort to organize the technology and the time. Um, thank you. This is actually a very exciting podcast for me because we first met in 2011 in Melbourne when you were an audience member in a one-on-one -on -one performance I was dancing in. Yes. And now 10 years later, you've been recommended onto my podcast, which I find totally wild. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on at the moment in Brazil? Well, right now I'm working with Shame Geba Open Scene, which Shame Geba is the director. He's from Brazil. He mostly grew up in Belo Horizonte, which is a city nearby. We are now in Ipatinga, which is an even smaller village. And the project is called Body Play. They've been developing this well for over 10 years. And it's a series of mostly structured improvisations, some choreography, but different improvisations that both trained dancers and non-trained dancers can do. And in this performance, we have a performance tonight. There is both me and a dancer called Selene from Spain, Roberta from Italy, who's Shame's partner, and local artist. And um, so it's really about a dialogue between different cultures, artists, practices, levels, but the fundamental principle that all bodies can and should explore and express their uniqueness. Mm. Yes. That resonates a lot with your cultural journey, actually, from Australia to Berlin and now to Brazil, be it somewhat temporary there. You're there for three weeks, I believe. Yes. Could you talk a little bit about this journey from Australia to Berlin and how that's shaped you into who you are? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. <laughs> I could talk for the next <laughs> hour, but I'll try to condense it and raise a few points. The main point is I originally came actually to audition for companies and mostly Stutz Ballets because my training is in classical ballet. I'm a graduate from the Australian Ballet School. But what actually happened was finding community, queer community, nightclub community, creative dance community, in which the boundaries I thought were 
tightly wrapped around dance industry was somewhat lifted and I could find my own freedom. So I made Berlin my home. That's the short story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I also moved to Berlin in 2016. Mm. And it was quite interesting because my great-grandfather was German and he moved to Australia during the Second World War as an attempt to look for a new life and one outside of the war zone. And I'm actually the last Shadler with this last name and returning to Berlin. And even though it's unintentional, it does have some almost cyclical effect, I think, about returning to these roots. How has that been for you? Because I know you also have some German genes deep down. Mine's almost the opposite. My grandmother and great-grandmother are from Berlin. So for me, that's also special. Like there's Germany and there's Berlin. (laughs) And many Berliners Ah, say that Berlin is not Germany. And well, it is and it isn't. But anyway, they're Jewish, German, and they fled in the early 30s to Australia. So Yeah, this was not my intention or reason for going back, but I also believe sometimes your ancestry pulls you and calls you back. And yeah, it definitely now feels like that. Also in terms of my dance practice, uh, as I've mentioned to you, that my existence, my being, where my body is and belongs feels as important as the way in which it moves it's I mean it's the same it's one Mm. and how do you find that like I think that's quite a new idea for a lot of people where Mm. their body belongs and I think it's also something that perhaps is changing Mm. depending on certain times in your life if you're raising a family in a certain place or you have a family member who's sick perhaps and Mm -hmm. so you go to a certain location for that reason Mm. how do you feel or attune to when your body is in this state of belonging (laughs) it's a big question because I mean this process relates to heritage and ancestry but I can't necessarily use words like in indigenous <laughs> or like what is my indigenous or folk dance I don't know so actually for me it is through a state of confusion and a lot of information even information overload in my body I layer on many many practices but it's more really then I get a little bit into my personal story and I had a year of depression before I became Tsuki. And in this year of depression, I attempted suicide uh, a couple of times. And one of the times was in Indonesia and I tried to drown myself. And the moon actually was pulling the current so strongly and I could have gone you know, into the sea, which is what I intended, but it pulled me back into a rock, which also saved my life. So, sorry, it's very dark and deep, but the point is like from this moment, I'm like, okay, 
well, I exist now. My body exists. Why do I exist? Where do I exist? Like these fundamental questions became so, so strong because I could have not existed. <laughs> so the, the layers of like success and industry and even artistry somehow from this moment became secondary to just, I am existing. This body is existing. It's breathing. It's living. So that's, I don't have resolved answers to that, but it's partly where this, this question comes from. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate you going uh, into your personal story because I definitely understand the personal is always political. Yeah. And I think this idea of feeling alien in your mm -hmm, body, or mm -hmm. especially when you talk about this transition of changing your name and changing your identity it is something that is also not held so often within society. Like they're quite big ideas and they're quite destabilizing. And definitely in this podcast, we've been connecting to our surroundings. So if I enter into your story through the perspective of worlding mm. and being in dialogue with these more than human worlds that we're a part of, what really resonates also is the moon. What really resonates also is the rock and the current mm -hmm. and that state of being entangled with these other entities Yes, feels very strong for me when you retell this very personal anecdote. And that they have a bigger power, actually, than us. <laughs> this is the point. So, you know, it, it's, it, if it was my decision in that moment, something else would have happened. But there is a bigger power, really. And I don't... Well, my grandparents are Jewish, but I'm not really brought up Jewish. My parents are atheists. So having a sense of what is power and spirit beyond me is my own journey. And I had to go through this to find, okay, what are the bigger powers? And yes, nature is one of the biggest. <laughs> I think also this term nature is very interesting uh, because we still have this idea of when someone says nature of something yes. outside of ourselves, this idyllic Lord Byron waterfall mm, mm. or picnic field. And what I hear also from what you're saying is that this nature also is something that moves through us. We are also mm. living and dying. Yes. We are also regenerating in the same way that the waterfall is actually. Mm. And it's so intertwined when we think about the Anthropocene and also that in reverse, um, perhaps going into the Novocene, a book I'm reading at the mm -hmm, moment mm -hmm. by James Lovelock, also thinking about intelligences and technologies mm. and how this is also informing us, I think is really an interesting state to be in, especially with these questions around the conditioning of your body and how that is now in this current moment. Again, it's it's just from a kind of my own lived perspective, I, I, I do read on art and ecology, but anyway, like I, I, I went to galleries and dance performances since I'm six years old, but I went camping for the first time when I'm over 20. So actually kind of discovering, feeling comfortable 
connecting to my body in deeply natural environments is a more recent chapter of my life. Um, but maybe because it was kind of later and self-chosen, it has its own importance. What for you are spaces that feel expansive and relating to exchange? Well, one of them is nightclub spaces. And for me in Berlin, particularly the Berkheim. But, you know, they're also spaces of dreams and hallucinations. And when I dance, when I dream, when I hallucinate and connect to my moving body, that's probably when I most connect to images of nature, of trees, of jungles, of deep seas. So, yeah, for me, that is the link in a strange way to our natural environment. I mean, the Berghain is an industrial space. It was a power plant. Um, <laughs> but I do get into trance-like spaces where I'm connecting to my inner natural environment and landscape. Perhaps linking also to this porousness of this external and internal world. Mm. I think it is interesting that in these conversations, often we go to perhaps the pureness of unintoxicated states. Mm. And it's also, I think, a big part of the Berlin culture is the club scene. Mm -hmm. And often it also involves substances. It involves a certain state of openness. So... I appreciate that there isn't a hierarchy in that because I think mm. there often is. And I definitely carry one of is meditation or clubbing on the same par. I mean, you will often find me meditating in the Berghain. <laughs> like, actually, I'm a dancer, but I spend at least as much time sitting, meditating as I do dancing or what's called dancing. And I had one particular, I mean, I can mention I had one particular trip on New Year's um, a couple years ago where basically I knew I could be, exist, pass through, dance anywhere except on the dance floor. If I was on the dance floor, I was moving through the people because if I go on the dance floor and have my own dance, then that's my personal expression. And what I was researching, I didn't go there knowing, knowing that this is what I was going to research, but I guess it's part of my awareness and, and practice, is that how does my body relate to the memory of metal? How does my body relate to sitting on a toilet or moving through a queue or like spaces which people are usually characterizing their bodies in social ways but what's social to me with a different awareness of my body as as a dancing body you know so like every other space became my dance rather than you know having a boogie on the dance floor so um that's one example but I've had a lot of moments relating to that moment of what does it mean to get beyond the self? This is really a lot question, you know. There's 
Performance, Entertainment, Ritual, Self-Expression, Therapy. <laughs> and I think they're all intertwined. It's impossible to, to really just say it's one or the other. But I do feel like it's my role as an artist to both express myself but move beyond the self. And that can be mm. done with meditation, that can be done in trans-like states, however you reach that, because there is, you know, a, a Polynesian energy, which is more balanced, um, symmetrical yoga, ballet, meditation, control. And there is Dionysus energy, which is about letting go through sex, through drugs, through trans-like rituals, through art that is chaotic, and we need both. I think it's so fitting thinking about worlding in your surroundings that I feel like I can hear someone constructing something <laughs> yes, in the background. Yes, upstairs in the hotel. <laughs> I think that's perfect. Yes. I feel like the editor is going to think, what an amazing sound design as we talk about <laughs> identity and moving beyond the self. We construct something behind, which is yes. almost the opposite of what we're doing. But I think that is interesting, this dichotomy. As you are deconstructing something, you're also constructing something. You know, there is always this push and pull. It would be great, actually, to go a little bit into public profiling mm -hmm. because just using it's quite a a fun example, but on Instagram, your mm. name changed from becoming Suki yes. to beyond Suki. Can you talk a little bit about that transition sure. and if you feel comfortable <laughs> going into before Tsuki? <laughs> before, <yeah. laughs> well, there was no Instagram before Tsuki. There was just Tim Crafty, which was my birth name, uh, male identified name, and I'm not ashamed or embarrassed to share that. That was important part of my journey. So the becoming Tsuki, Tsuki means moon in Japanese. And uh, there were two mo moments where the moon really saved and transformed me. I mean, many on a subtle way, but two in a very big, profound life surviving way. And the first, as I mentioned, was being saved from drowning. And the second was dancing under a full moon uh, to a song written by a trans singer based in Berlin called Lyra Pramuk, called Tsuki. She wrote it when she was in Japan. And I was living with my friend Lisa Prout um, in Cranburn in the outer suburbs of Australia. I had depression for one year and I danced to this song and I transformed. I suddenly looked in the mirror and I just knew who I was. So from that moment, I knew, okay, I can change my body from a depressed state to a more uh, alive, toned, expressive state. I can start to change my, my health, my relationships, but the core of me was already transformed in a sense. So becoming Tsuki... Really, I was already Tsuki, but all my outer layers needed time to evolve. So that's really where becoming Tsuki came from. And knowing that dance is 
part of this transformation, but it's a whole life process. It's not just something that happens on the stage for 10 minutes or one hour. It's, it's a whole life. It happens in sleep, in dreams, in conversations, in everything. Um, yeah. So <laughs> somehow like through that process, I'm back in Berlin. I'm building my community. Uh, I now really have such a beautiful collective of friends and collaborators who, you know, we help each other survive, actually. Like, it's the art and the community and the living and the survival all go together, which means we're not dependent on art structures and industry to make our work. It's great if we get it, but we're not dependent on it. Um, so that's really important. And then... How did Beyond Suki? <laughs> I mean, it's just like I was kind of, I can't remember the exact moment, but it's kind of like, okay, I can be becoming forever. <laughs> but I felt by then I'd really shown myself my work. I'd performed so much. I'm starting to teach. Um, at some point I thought, okay, I'm here. <laughs> but also this Beyond, as I mentioned before, it's kind of sinking into this sense of like, well, okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm connecting back with what it is. It's like social media, of course, it, it can become very narcissistic. This is the thing. So, you know, but this is also the question, like I, I cannot live, how, or how can I live beyond myself? I am myself. I can do this interview. I can dance. I can go to Brazil. I can help someone on the street, but you, you're always yourself. So in a way, moment to moment, how can I go a bit beyond myself? And maybe that's as simple as like, I have something to say, but maybe someone else or something else has something to say more than me first. <laughs> and, and remembering that uh, point, that question will expand my dance and art practice. So, um, Maybe I have an intention to make a dance or to do a ritual. That intention is just like walking towards something and all the things that are beyond my intention is actually more important <laughs> and becomes the dance. So that's a little bit where Beyond Suki came from. But it's also with a bit of humor, <laughs> I hope. I mean, everything needs to be, for me, philosophical, serious, but also funny because... I don't know. Life is funny also. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> a string of a string of contradictions and yeah, yeah moving through different states. Mm. Really nice. As part of this podcast, Suki, I'm asking guests to share a movement score or task that the listener can embody your research through. Yeah. Is there a guided offering you could talk us through? Yes. So a lot of my performances, like my main piece is called Skin Between, and it's really just different ways to remove claws, but layers of identity as skin and creating a shrine out of them. So if I was going to lead you through I would say to find somewhere in your room with some space, some significance for you, 
and to notice what you're wearing from the outside, from the visual, but also from the textures, the feeling, the way it's dropping over the body. And to slowly start to shed these clothes like you're shedding skin and feeling from the inside these clothes and how it affects your body as you slowly take layers of clothes off. What is the dance that emerges from the body, from the sensation on the skin as you remove layers of clothing? And you take your time with this exercise and when you take off a piece of clothing, you place it on the floor and as you place it on the floor, it has a significance to you. Is it your own body on the floor? Is it maybe an ancestor or someone who has passed that you're honouring? Is there memory in this fabric before or beyond when it was on your body that you're honouring as you place it on the floor? So you're creating a shrine from your body, peeling off layers of your skin and placing it onto the floor in a shrine. So that's one of my practices that I incorporate with different dance practices, different dance improvisations that I layer with that and with different sound scores. Thank you. I think it's also a nice one to practice perhaps when you get in the shower. I'm thinking yes. about moments that I I clothe and unclothe. Uh-huh. Often, you know, if you're listening to this podcast on a tram, perhaps it's inappropriate to mm. undress right now. <laughs> but even talking through with you, I definitely undressed in my mind. Oh, wow. And it's also interesting to think about how many layers you have on. Yes, yes. I just realized I have... One, two, three, four, five, uh, six, if you include two different socks. So there are six fabrics caressing my body right now. I mean, you have and a lot more different... than me because I'm in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> oh, wow. Great. That's yes. really rich. I think also just to reflect from this perspective of Worlding, I feel like also the journey we've gone through today has been very much also about the internal world mm. and how that reflects in the external world, if we even can create that binary. I think there's really also been this porousness of interchanging between the two, mm. but it's a really nice proposition to think about identity and deconstructing mm. ways of being also as a shaping your surrounding and in relation to your surroundings like there is that reciprocity there as you said with the rock and the moon so mm. lots to digest yes. <laughs> thank you so much thank you suki for chatting with us today thank you it's I been really a real gift it. to reconnect yeah, yeah. yeah after 11 years. Wow. <laughs> Let's do time. every 11 years and see. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. Okay. I wish you all the best for your performance this evening.
Thank you, darling. That brings us to the end of our fourth string figure. Thank you so much for listening. We will return in December with the next episode together with light designer Sandra Blatterer that will focus on her welding practice into imaginary spaces and co-creating performances in context. I look forward to your feedback and staying in contact. It's a really wonderful process and I'm glad you're listening. All the best. Thank you for listening to The Worlding Podcast. Gefördert durch die Beauftragte der Bundesregierung für Kultur und Medien im Programm Neustart Kultur. Hilfsprogramm des Tanzen des Dachverband Tanz Deutschland.